Welcome to Ready for Change, the podcast dedicated to preparing and equipping you with the tools needed for changes within your industry. I'm your host, Mike Jarmus, and on this podcast, we'll be featuring special guests who are experts in business, retail, and finance. They will share their stories, wisdoms, and insights on changes occurring within their own industries. We'll cover other topics like market trends, technology, news, and innovation in various industries. Thanks for tuning in this week. Now let's get started. From your average retailer to high-end consumer, the way that cash moves has an effect on us all every day. The cash cycle has evolved a lot over the last 100 years, and the industry has witnessed real breakthrough technology from cash 1.0 to their current cash cycle 3.0 with inventions like the ATM. But the pace of this change has accelerated significantly within the past 20 years with new technologies like teller automation and branches, and more recently, cash recyclers and retail stores. That being said, what we witnessed so far is nothing compared to the game-changing disruption that's to come. And our guests will be talking about where we are now and how the situation will likely change. So before we dive into our discussion today, I want to take the time to introduce our guest. Mike Balamowitz is the Chief Marketing Officer for Glory Global Solutions. He's been responsible for guiding our international market activities and innovation efforts, as well as creating product and software solutions that deliver the very best experience for Glory's clients. During his 24 years with Glory, Mike has served in various leadership roles, not only in our North American business, but also in different global divisions. Thanks for joining us today, Mike. Hey, it's great to be here. So Mike, before we get into discussing the future of cash and we start to define how the next cash cycle, cash 4.0 will look, can you please define what a cash cycle is and who it primarily affects for our listeners who may not know? I mean, simply a cash cycle is how cash moves through the economy, how it is printed by banks, central banks distributed through commercial banks, moves out to consumers through things like ATMs or bank branches, is spent at retailers, and then is collected by CITs or armored carriers and goes through that cycle over and over again during the life of banknotes. You know, today there are something like 500 billion banknotes moving around the planet, and they're moved around by those five key players the central bank consumers and retailers, and commercial banks, along with those transportation companies. That's a lot of money moving through a lot of hands. And then from what I read in the Glory Cash 4.0 white paper, it looks like each note moves on average about 200 times a year, and it becomes even more complex when they're looking at currencies and denominations involved. Because of all that movement and complexity, what type of challenges arise in the cash cycle? Well, 500 billion banknotes, each moving around 200 times a year, that's a trillion banknotes moving every year. So so the reality, of course, is that a good proportion of those banknotes are actually tucked away in mattresses or hidden in central vaults. And of course, also a lot of those banknotes are moved around in blocks, not as individual banknotes. Mm-hmm. But even if just 1% of those are moving around, it's hard to see how a trillion movements of anything could be highly efficient without a lot of wasted resource. So the reality is the cash cycle is necessary, but it's a fundamentally inefficient system. So from what it sounds like, a system that is really ready for disruption, correct? That's right. I mean, especially when you consider that three of the five players in the cash cycle move that cash around without actually exchanging or creating any real value. Deloitte estimated recently that those inefficiencies amount to over $23 billion every year. 
And the vast majority of that cost, that $23 billion, comes from transporting cash and processing cash for ATMs. Okay. So for our listeners, let's try to understand the journey of the banknotes through the cycle from the moment they are issued up to when they return back to the central bank to die. What are the main challenges these five players need to solve or face every day? I'd say the first challenge is to be sure that every transaction is fast, accurate, and involves authentic banknotes. I mean, when transactions are taking place, there needs to be a system that accurately identifies counterfeits and protects all the parties involved in the transactions, the retailers and their customers. But transactions are only one part of the problem as a whole. There are actually two other parts. The first is there's just too much physical cash. And the second is that cash is moving around in the wrong denominations. Can you elaborate a little more? Well, when a retailer has too much incoming real cash, it can become dead until the merchant gets it to move again. In other words, while it's sitting at the merchant, the retailer's losing money because they're just holding on to that cash. They need it in their account. Now, there are ways they can receive provisional credit But ultimately, they still have to get rid of the cash. And at the same time, the cash itself needs to be back in the hands of the consumers again so they can spend it in the store again. It's actually kind of crazy when you think about it. The cash needs to go from the merchant through a truck all the way back to a bank. Maybe it needs to visit a central cash center to be sorted. Then it's got to travel back to an ATM before it's once again taken by a consumer so they can go spend it again and create value with a merchant. Okay. So what is this second issue? Well, the next issue is that retailers have a lot of cash in the store, but of the wrong denominations. There's actually a kind of a continuous mismatch of denominations. You give the merchant a banknote, a $20 bill, and then they give you change, ones and fives and coins. And what do you do with that change? Often it typically ends up at my change jar at home. Exactly. The consumers end up hoarding the change that they don't value and don't want and don't use. In the meantime, the merchant needs more change for when those same consumers come back and shop again with more $20 banknotes and again need change. So it looks like it comes down to two problems, receiving change and getting rid of excess cash. That's exactly right, Mike. If you correct these mismatches, you get efficiency. While those mismatches exist, the cash cycle has huge unnecessary costs and a lot of extra cash movements, which I suppose is good news for at least the armor carriers who are responsible for 30% of those total system costs. Well, then I see how the current cash cycle 3.0 is trying to solve these challenges. Well, yes, 3.0 is all about helping the merchant grab efficiencies in their own cash cycle. And there are a number of signs of change that come with this. Take cashback, for example. In the UK or the US, cashback at the point of sale has been around for years. Mm -hmm. But in other countries, it's actually just starting to happen now. In places like France, only in the last year. You know, so with cashback, merchants can get rid of their excess cash and can even make money from fees in doing so. Actually, cash, when I think about it, cash is probably the only type of payment that can also generate its own revenue stream for the retailer. It's an efficient solution. It's very local recycling. It's actually kind of strange that in places like Europe, you know, only 7% of cash that's taken by consumers is given back to those consumers through the shop. The rest is going through ATMs and branches and person to person. 
that other cash that's mm-hmm. being obtained through the cash cycle, that's being moved around by all those five players in the system and adding no value, or is just plain dead. Maybe it's lost uh, down the back of a sofa or in penny jars. I mean, I mean, how many of all these 500 billion banknotes are actually sitting motionless every day doing nothing? I mean, I mean, nothing other than creating a bunch of extra cost in the system. But Mike, we already have ATMs in stores. <laughs> yeah, even more, even more craziness. Consumers do, in fact, get cash in stores from ATMs. ATMs sit there and take space. They provide income to not the store, but most often to another third party that owns and operates them. And so the cash is brought into the store to go into the ATM Mm -hmm. by one truck. It comes out of the ATM. Now it gets spent in the store. Another armored truck shows up Mm -hmm. to take it away, to put it to a cash center to put it in another truck, to bring it back to the ATM. This cycle is just crazy. So Mike, tell me if I'm correct or not. Those ATMs be used as recycling in order to avoid CIT visits possibly? Well, we can certainly do in-store recycling in any number of ways. You could do it entirely without an ATM by simply having cash back over the counter. But let's say there is an ATM. Modern ATMs can not only dispense cash, but they can also take cash and deposit and then redispense that same cash. That's recycling. Let me, let's look at what's happening in Japan. And Japan is probably the most advanced cash economy in the world. They have a much better business model around ATMs. So I'll use as an example 7-Eleven. In 7-Eleven convenience stores across Japan, they offer the facility for small local merchants to come into the store, make deposits in the ATMs. So they actually bring their daily sales to the ATM, make an immediate deposit, get credit on their account. Then the next consumer comes along and takes that money right back out of the machine to spend in the same neighborhood. So for example, I'll use the example of a taxi driver. A taxi driver could take the cash he's received in the last hours, deposit it in the ATM. The customer then comes by, takes that cash back so he can pay the taxi for the ride home. That's a really efficient system. So the money goes from business to consumer, right back to business again within an hour. That's pretty efficient. And that's one potential solution to the first problem, which Mm. is too much incoming cash that will sit idle and dead. So next problem, how do we get coins back in, I should say, for change Mm -hmm. for the merchant? We've seen some interesting initiatives. There's some well-known solutions like Coinstar, mainly in the U.S. and U.K., where they deploy a self-service kiosk at supermarkets and consumers can bring their coins in the machine in order to turn their coins, which they place no value on, back into cash. It's a clever, it's actually a pretty clever way for recovering coins from all those penny jars. But the coins then still get taken away from the store in what? In an armored truck. Mm -hmm. So it's clever in terms of recovering that coin, but it's still only a partial solution. But they're not completely disruptive to the industry. Oh, no, no. Inefficiencies are still there. And while nature kind of hates inefficiency, entrepreneurs love, entrepreneurs love inefficiency. (laughs) You may know this show, this American show, Shark Tank. Yep. Well, there's a similar show in the UK called Dragon's Den, and I think probably everywhere in the world there's a similar show now. But essentially, smart entrepreneur pitches a great idea to investors. And the investors decide whether to then invest in that entrepreneur's company. Well, recently, 
In an episode of Shark Tank, a guy pitched an idea that quickly got funding. It's an idea called Spare, and Spare aims to change the way people access their cash and in the process disrupt the ATM market. So how does it do that? Well, I guess it can be first explained by looking at other industries that have seen some kind of disruption. You know, many of the big recent dot-com era success stories have been around new ways to match supply and demand. So who has something, who wants something. So Uber is matching drivers with people who need rides. eBay is matching people who want certain goods with people who have those goods. Airbnb is matching people who have beds with people who need to go to sleep. It's really a simple concept. We want to match supply and demand. So how can we apply that to cash? Can we link the change in my change jar with the merchants who need that change? Well, it's it's already happening. It's happening with Spare. When people need cash, they simply look on an app. They can see where cash is available. They can go there and withdraw it over the counter from the merchant without an ATM. There's a variant of this idea being used in Germany, a company called Barzalin. There's SoCash in Singapore. There's WoCash in Spain. You know, when a consumer wants to withdraw cash, they tell their app. That tells them where to go. The merchant has the cash. It's generally free to use. It's unbelievably convenient. So there's already a new cash cycle happening? Exactly. And we've called this Cash 4.0. Our vision is that this will be a community cash cycle. Consumers and merchants will work together for their common benefit, addressing those issues and challenges that we talked about in the current Cash Cycle 3.0. Will Cash Cycle 4.0 be disruptive? Maybe. But it's important to understand that disruption simply means the current system isn't adapting to change fast enough, not that the new system is trying to replace the old system. You know, in previous cash cycles, the spirit of improvement was, let's be honest, selfish. Cash 1.0 was about improvements for the banks. Cash 2.0 was about more revenue for the CITs. Cash 3.0 was about the retailer being more efficient in the back office. Increase revenue, decrease costs. That's not a criticism. It's just business. But now, now we believe the consumer will be leading cash 4.0 and Every citizen could effectively become a micro CIT or an ATM themselves. I mean, at the extreme, only the players where value is exchanged will be involved, the consumer and the merchant. And just think of the costs and inefficiencies that will be eliminated. So, Mike, I'm just going to take the time to quickly tie up our conversation and summarize it for our listeners. It looks like the traditional cash cycle is ready for change, and that change will be cash 4.0. And when we look at history, it's shown us the market can get swept up in a period of disruptive change. It happened to several inefficient industries before. Who's to say it isn't supposed to happen with cash as well? Thanks for sharing your vision, Mike. And thanks again for taking time out of your busy schedule to share your insights and knowledge on the future of cash on our podcast. It's been my pleasure. Thank you for listening to Ready for Change. If you like what you heard, please leave us a positive review and share this episode with a colleague or friend. And be sure to subscribe to Ready for Change on www.glory-global.com forward slash ready for change. Or you can find us on Apple Podcasts and other major podcast channels in order for you to never miss an upcoming episode. If you have any additional questions or suggestions, be sure to email us at readyforchange at glory-global.com. Until next time, Prepare for change.